0: history of that song, that song was the theme of the Welsh revival in 1904, 1905, Evan Roberts, the whole country of Wales was on fire for God and that was the song that was sung uh, everywhere uh, that Evan Roberts went and preached. So that's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, How many of y'all believe a merry heart doeth good like a medicine? You know, I tell you what, we need to be able to rejoice, and we ought to be able to rejoice in our salvation, but we ought to be able to laugh. So before I have you open your Bible, I want to just give you, now, this is Home Improvement Month, and we're just trying to help and encourage people. And, uh, you know, uh, but we've got to have a little bit of laughter, so you know this is a joke. A doctor was addressing a large audience in Tampa, Florida. The material that we put into our stomachs, he said, is enough to have killed most of us sitting here. Red meat's awful, he said. Soft drinks corrode your stomach lining. Chinese food is loaded with MSG. High-fat diets can be disastrous, and none of us realizes the long-term harm caused by the germs in our drinking water. That's all encouraging, isn't it? But there's one thing that is the most dangerous of all, and we all have or will eat it. Can anyone here tell me what food it is that causes the most grief and suffering for years after eating it? And after several, I mean after several seconds of quiet, an older 75-year-old man raised his hand on the front row and said, wedding cake. (laughs) Now looky here. That's a joke. It's the best stuff I ever ate in my life. Amen. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? Yes, it's the best you've ever ate. A little boy wanted $100 very badly, and he prayed for weeks, but nothing ever happened. And then he decided to write a a letter to God requesting for this $100. When the postal authorities received the letter to God... In the USA, they decided to send it to the president. The president was so amused that he instructed his secretary to send this little boy a $5 bill. The president thought this would appear to be a lot of money for this little boy. So the little boy was delighted with the $5 bill, and he sat down to write a thank you note to God, which read, Dear God, thank you very much for sending the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you sent it through Washington, D.C., And those jerks deducted $95 in taxes. (laughs) I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm glad to live in America. I don't mind paying taxes, amen, to live in the greatest country in the world. But they just don't have to get them all from me, amen. Would you open your precious Bible to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter number three this morning, Colossians chapter three. Of course, this is a very well known passage of Scripture when it comes to the home and to the family. And uh, I always try to make this statement you know, we're not trying to discourage anybody here, we're not trying to maximize mistakes. I want all of you to know something we've all made mistakes. There's no perfect marriage, there's no perfect relationship. And, uh, you know, I don't like being in a place where people always want to just really maximize on all the mistakes that we've made. That's not what this month is about. I'm trying to encourage you, wherever you are in life, to let the Lord help you, lead you, and guide you. And and He can instruct you in how to have better relationships. You know, you might not be married. That's okay. This message is for you because you have relationships that you have to keep. You have to maintain you might say well pastor my dear precious uh, spouse of many many years has went home to be with heaven well now you have a great opportunity to help someone else that's younger than you so see we don't we don't always say well i'll tell you what that message is not for me every message from god's word can be applied to our life some way no matter where we are in life i mean if even if there's a child here today and you say well pastor ew, i don't even like girls well you will There might be girls that say, I don't like these boys, they're gross. Well, look at me, you will. So you need to stow these things away and these are things going to help you. Now, uh, I don't know, as we read this passage of scripture, who doesn't want to have a home or a family or relationships like what is described in the passage that we're getting ready to read. I don't think there's one person that I would ever run into or talk to and say, oh, Pastor, I don't want this kind of a place. I don't want this kind of a home. I don't want a wife like that. I I certainly don't want a husband like this. I don't want a home like this. I've never heard anyone in my 49 years of life say, oh, I don't want a home like this. I've heard of many, though, in my 49 years of life say, boy, I wish I had a better one. I wish I had one like this. I wish I knew this earlier. I wish I'd have heard this earlier. And so I say to you this morning, this can be helpful to all of us, but to be fair, me preaching this message and me reading this pastor's scripture is not going to help one of us today if we don't apply it to our lives and to our hearts. I've heard young people say to me all the time, they'll say, well, I don't care. Well, what's the Bible say? Well, I don't care. Well, that's really not the right attitude to have about the Bible, but I will give you a phrase that I think all of us should say when we come to reading the Bible and reading God's Word. It should be, so what? You say, oh, Pastor, that's a little bit still disrespectful. Well, wait, so what? Here's here's what I'm wanting you to ask today. So what? So what does God want me to do with this? That's a good question. That's a good place to start. So what? So what does God want to speak to me here about? So what do I need to change? So what is God trying to say to me? That's how we should approach the word of God. So what? What do you want me to do, uh, uh, God? What What are you helping me with here, God? So what? So let's look at it here in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. The Bible says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. Notice this, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. Gentlemen, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. And Then fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us this morning. As we look into thy word, I pray you'll help us to put into our lives what you would have us to put in. Maybe there's something here we need to take out. Lord, whatever it is, I pray you'll help us. Give us the courage. Give us the desire to do what you'd have us to do. We'll thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read this passage, you know something that came to mind. I was like, man, what? What a beautiful description of a family or a home or relationship. I mean, as you read this passage of scripture, I mean, man, you're talking about where you're given mercy and there's kindness, there's humbleness of mind, there's meekness. What's that mean? Controlled power. Uh, It says forbearing one another. By the way, marriage is a life of forbearing one another. Forbearing one another. Then the Bible says here, forgiving one another. This is a home or a family or a description that someone say, man, I'm going to tell you what you'll find there in that home. You'll find forgiveness there. Then above all, verse 14 says, and all these things, he said, here it is, charity. In other words, love is prevalent there. Love is a place of love. You know, I do realize we live in a day, you know what people want to be? They want to be loved. You know what I've learned about young people? And that's why we are struggling in this day with certain the wrong kind of relationships is because every young person wants to be loved and they don't care where they get it. They want love. They should have love. They should have love. But to be fair, if we're going to love and if we're going to receive love, then we have to understand what true love is. It's more than a feeling. It's more than words. Hey, it's it's a choice. It's an act of God working in our heart. But he says love is there. So as I read this, then look at verse 15. It says the peace of God is there. It's peaceful. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but this is a place where, I'm going to be honest, describes somewhere where I want to be. How about y'all? I I, want to be in a place like this. Then the Bible says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. In other words, this place has wisdom in it. Not just smarts, but wisdom. By the way, that only comes from God. Wisdom is so important in this day. And then it says you're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. In other words, it's a place of music. Now you say, Pastor, you lost me right there. You say, I don't know. I don't don't like to sing. Well, you might not like to sing, but here's what God says. He didn't say that you're supposed to sing it. Great, it just says you're supposed to make a joyful noise. But I don't know about you. You know what encourages me is growing up in, or being in my home when my children were young, I'd love to hear my children sing. I love to hear them sing in their bedroom. I love to hear my wife maybe hymn or, or sing a song or, uh, or hum a song. And by the way, yes, I probably did the most singing in my house and I'm the worst one there. But I, I, I'm going to be honest, I like to be around people that just have a song in their heart. I mean, this is. In other words, if someone's singing, they're certainly not griping. So I don't know about you, this is a place I'd like to be. Here's the message, home sweet home. Man, when I read this pastor Scripture, man, I, this is a place I'd, I'd want to get to. Yeah, I, I, real, I wonder so many why so many men don't want to come home. I wonder why so many women don't want to come home. I'm going to be honest, who would not want to come to a place like this? There's not a soul that I've ever met that would say, I'll tell you right now, Pastor, the reason I don't go home at night is because all we ever do is fight. Well, I get it. But that's not what God is describing here. So if he's not describing, if he's giving a description of a place that we can have and we can go to, then here's what encourages me, it is possible. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't know my wife. Oh, Pastor, you don't know my husband. I know, but I sure know God. And I know what God can do. I know that God can take a tragedy and make a triumph out of it. I know that God can do something that we think that he could never do. He can make the impossible possible. And he can change people's hearts. You know why I know that? Because he's changed mine. Uh, Certainly not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. Even at 49 years of age of being a Christian all these years. But boy, I look at these young men sometimes and I think, my soul, and they remind me of me <laughs> when I was their age. And sometimes when we're young, we don't understand what we have right in front of us. We don't understand all of the things that we should understand. And, and so all I'm trying to do is to encourage you today. And sometimes we just give up because we just think there's no hope. Can I help you? There's always hope. But what a beautiful description Of a sweet home. What a sweet atmosphere. I mean, this is a a Christian home. This is a spiritual home. It's a well-functioning home. It's a peaceful home. It's a healthy home. It's a happy home. Hey, it is a living home. It's real. I mean, this is the description that God gives a place that I don't know I would call home sweet home. Now, we'd all say amen, and this describes the kind of home that we should have. By the way, God is the creator of this home's description. It's not this kind of home just because you're a Christian. Now, let me talk to you just a moment. Some people have this idea about, well, he has a Christian home. Well, to be honest, it's more than just you being a Christian. Now, I want to say to you this morning, I hope and pray that everyone here this morning, you're a Christian. You say, Pastor, how do I become a Christian? Well, I want you to know the Bible clearly states in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Now, you don't hear that a lot today in our society because We live in a day where you got to do something to get something, but here's a situation where salvation has already been purchased for us. Jesus Christ, that's why he came to this earth. He bled and died on an old rugged cross. He was born of a virgin. He went to the cross, willingly went to the cross. He gave his life. No man took his life. He gave his life, a ransom for many. Why? Because when he died, he was paying for the sin debt of the whole world. See, we live in a day where we understand some things should be paid for. Now, if I go up here to the restaurant and I go up and say, hey, I'm going to go in here and partake of all of this buffet, and walk in and say, hey, I'm going to take up all this buffet. Well, the woman or the man there at the counter is going to look at me and say, No, you cannot do that till you pay. We understand that. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus Christ paid for us on the cross. That's why he came to this earth to bleed and die to do one thing. He paid for our sins. See, we have the idea, oh, well, sin's no big deal. You can get a pass. No, the only way you can get a pass is if it's paid for. And by the way, if we pay for it, the Bible says we must die and go to hell because that is our wage of being a sinner. But here's what's beautiful even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. So he tells us for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And I love salvation. I love his plan, not God's plan. I was talking to someone the other day, so I tell you right now, the only way you can get to heaven is you got to get baptized in my church. I said, Would you show me that in the scripture? You won't find it. You won't find that in the Bible, but i tell you what you will find. You'll find that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love God's plan of salvation. You know why? Because everybody can do it. It's faith. You say, oh, and I, talk, I run into them from time to time. Here's what they say. I oh, Pastor, I ain't like you. I gotta be- I'll tell you what, I ain't gonna believe anything that I don't say. Well, you're lying. You believe stuff all the time that you don't see. And I've given the illustrations before. We get in our cars. How many of y'all checked the brakes on y'all's car today before y'all got in and drove here? Not a soul. You didn't check your brakes. What'd you do? You put faith in those brakes. They were going to get you here. How many of you checked your engine today to make sure there wasn't thing malfunctioning? I'm going to tell you what you did. By faith, you got in your car and you drove over here putting faith in an engine that you didn't look at. By the way, all of you are displaying faith right now. You say, how so? Well, I can sit there and look at that pew that you're sitting in and say, man, I believe that pew will hold me up. But until I sit down in it, I've not put any faith in it. So all of y'all are putting your faith in a seat today to hold you up. And guess what? It is. By the way, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ to get me to heaven. And guess what? He will. Because I'm not trusting my works, I'm not trusting getting baptized, I'm not trusting living the good life, I'm not trusting that I'll never sin because I know I am a sinner. No, I'm trusting in the wonderful Savior, that's why He came, I put my faith in Him, and I'm sealed and secured because of what He did for me. Now you can know Him today, and by the way, when you meet Him, you'll never be the same. And if you're going to meet him, you're going to meet him by faith because he's not going to come walking down this aisle today and he's not going to grab your hand. But I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you will tell you you need Jesus as your Savior and when he does, you need to say, yes, Lord. And trust him as your Savior today. And guess what? You'll be a Christian. Now, I'm talking about home sweet home. So some people have this idea, Well, I'll tell you right now they're Christians, that, that home ought to be a Christian home. It doesn't necessarily just mean it's a Christian home because somebody's a Christian in it. No, this looks like a Christian home because I want to tell you something, when we think about a home or where we spend our time or where we're raising our family, this should be home sweet home. So how do we make our homes this kind of home? How can we, as just mere humans and a husband and wife and a family, how can we make our home look like this, have characteristics like this, where there's love there, there's peace there, there's long-suffering there, there's forgiveness there. We're singing, there's things there in that home, and here's what we say. Man, I can't wait to get there. Home, sweet home. The answer's right here in the passage. Number one, it's very simple. Now, I I want you all to know, for all of you all visiting, I'm very practical. I I believe that when people preach, they ought to make it so simple, even a child can understand it. I don't like being in a church where somebody preaches, and you've got to be a spiritual giraffe to try to touch it. Because normally, if someone's doing that, they're trying to get you to know how much they know, and I don't care how much you think I know, I just want you to get to know Him. Because if you get to know Him, He'll help you more than I can ever help you. But I want to say, this is so simple. If we're going to have this kind of home, are y'all ready? Now, I know this is deep. Y'all get ready. Number one, you got to want it. You got to want it. You got to want it. The desire has to be there. Because I've learned this you don't do anything that you don't want to do. I've used this many, many times. Uh, the springtime is coming up and you know normally in the springtime of the year there's a certain thing that I love to do I love to spring gobbler hunt but what that means is I have to get up extremely early if I want to go and hear a turkey gobble and then get set up on him and all of that and you say Pastor Mark why do you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning are y'all ready? because I want to It's the same with having the right kind of home. You're going to have it if you want to. The desire has to be there. We've got to desire to have this kind of home. Can I say, it all starts with a desire. By the way, someone says, well, Pastor Mark, how did you know you was called to preach? Well, the first mark of that is you have a desire to do it. The Bible says, uh, if a man desires the office of a bishop. Let me just say, that's not a normal thing. I never went to a fair, a job fair, and say, oh, I know what, I'll be a preacher. I've never went to a job fair and see somebody lay out all the benefits of the ministry and say, here, why don't you become a minister? I've never seen that, have y'all? Why? Because God has to put a desire in somebody's heart before they do it. And to have this kind of home, you've got to have the desire To have it. Because I've learned this in 27, almost 27 years of ministry. Y'all ready? This is deep now. I realize people do what they want to do. People do what they want to do. How many of y'all agree? People have what they want to have. Now we like to make excuses. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's just not me. No, I don't know of anybody that wouldn't want to have a home like this. And by the way, everybody can have a home like this, but listen, we've got to desire it, we've got to want to. It's so simple, we have to want it. I want it. I want this kind of home. By the way, that doesn't mean our home is never, it's not always peaceful, but for the most part it's peaceful. You say, well, why ain't it peaceful? Well, you, when you've got two toddlers in the house, not all the time it's going to be peaceful. Somebody say amen. And by the way, that's why you ought to have children when you're young. Amen. you got the patience for it. But we love our grandchildren, and for a time, my son and our grandchildren have been in our home, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to confess to y'all, War, me slap out. That's confession for y'all today. But you say, is it always peaceful? Well, you're not going to have peaceful when you have a six-year-old there. But I'll tell you what, you should have times of peace. There should be times that you desire for your children to know that mommy and daddy and, or whoever's in the home, you have everything. You know, there are certain things that children shouldn't have to be worrying about at six and seven years of age. And I believe every night that a daddy or a mom should go in there and lay those precious children down in a bed. And they ought to be able to pray with them at night. And they ought to be able to let them know that they're going to sleep under the protection of their family that night. And God's going to protect them. Oh, I think that's a wonderful kind of home. I'm thankful I was raised in a home. Every night, my mother, every night. I know y'all have heard this, but I like to say it because I hope some other mothers will do it. Every night, my mother would come in my bedroom. I mean, even all the way up till I was 18 years old, she'd come in there and she'd say, Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, and Jesus loves you most of all. Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, Jesus loves you most of all. And by the way, that's that's all I knew. So when you went to bed, I knew three things. Mommy loved me, Daddy loved me, and Jesus loved me most of all. And I never heard my sister at night tell me she loved me. My mom never said, and your sister loves you, because she had to wonder whether me and Kim loved each other. Amen. What we do. Hey, and that's just all a joke, but uh, I seen her back here. She was really lined in on me, so I thought I'd give her a little bit of a laugh. But anyway, hey, um, mommy loves you, daddy loves you, Jesus loves you most of all. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I went to bed at night, I I went to bed with them thoughts on my mind. Now, I'm going to be honest. I know that's, some of you might think that's weird. It's not weird. We need more of it today. We need more mamas that put their babies to bed at night and let them know. My daughter was scared of the dark. I don't know of a little girl that's not scared of the dark. And many times my daughter, she would go to bed and I I would have to stay in the living room with the light on because the living room where she grew up was between the front door and her bedroom. And so I'd put Kaylee to bed and we would put her to bed. Her mother would go in there and kiss her and tuck her in. We'd put her to bed and I'd be sitting in the living room and it it was every few minutes. She'd raise up out of that bed. And what she wanted to know, she just want to make sure daddy. But you know what happened? As time went on, I started to teach her, honey, listen, if daddy's not in in the living room between you and the door, Jesus is always there. You can lay your head at night because you can trust Jesus. He's bigger and badder and better than daddy. I'm telling you, we need to live. We need some parents that will teach this to their children. We've got children running around scared over everything. And we need some mommies and daddies to teach their children that they can trust Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I want a place like that. I want a home like that. I want a home like it's looked at, described here. But I want to tell you something. It will not happen if we don't want it. Can I ask you a question just by saying amen? How many of y'all want a home like that? then let's, there's your first step. There's your first instruction. If you want it, you can have it. Number two, if you want it, secondly now, here it is. This is simple. I said we're going to lay it down, down low. you got to work at it. Now, I've learned something about life. I've learned anything worth having is worth working for. Anything that you're going to keep, you got to keep to have it. you got to strive for it. By the way, I like cruise control in a vehicle, but I don't like it in a marriage or a relationship. When you stick your relationship in cruise control, you're already in trouble. Can I say to every man here just a second? If you've been married to your wife for 10 years, you need to still be courting her. You ought to be getting goosebumps in the butterflies when you see her enter into the house. Woo! Woo! My ah, soul. I mean, you ought to be so, ooh. Look, when y'all was dating, man, you, you would, you'd cut everything. You wouldn't go, look, you would quit everything to get to her, and now you're like, ah, I'm going to hang out with the guys a few more, more, few more hours. No, get home. Hey, why? Got to work at it. And by the way, gentlemen, can I help everybody here? I'm going to tell how honest y'all are. How many of you men out there think you're romantic? Would y'all raise your hand? And I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm going to come talk to you because you need to help me. Amen. Is anybody out there y'all think y'all are romantic? Has your wife ever told you are romantic? How many of you know that your wife likes romance? Would y'all raise your hand? Be careful, gentlemen. Y'all know they like it? How many of you men are alive right now? All right. Well, you know what they like. Well, if you don't, you better start finding out. But Listen. Uh, you got to work at it. And by the way, I say that because you know what? I don't have a romantic bone in my body. Can I get a witness? She's being kind. She's smiling at me. I don't have a romantic bone in my body. To be honest, when I see it on television, I go, I cringe. But you know what? She likes it. So you say, what do you do? I need to work at it more. Now, I've, I've had my times, but not nearly as many. You say, well, what? Well, got to work at it. I've learned this. <laughs> the other day, I mean, it's a hard job if somebody's got to do it. My little granddaughter likes trout. I mean, she loves them. I mean, she loves trout. I mean, I, I'm just getting excited thinking about a little six-year-old girl. I mean, she likes trout. I mean, she just, and here's what, she likes the skin of the trout. So guess what, you know, it was a hard job. Somebody had to go do it the other day, though. I had to go catch my granddaughter some trout, so I went and caught her some trout. And uh, you say, well, I had to work at it, (laughs) because I love my granddaughter. No, we sat at the house, man, and we fixed it. And I'm going to be honest, I mean, there she was, man, just digging through that trout. And I said, no, Cora, make sure there's no bone in it. And, And, man, just lapping that stuff up, I loved it. You say, well, was that hard work trying to be funny? That was kind of fun. But there's other things that I know in a home that we got to work at that might not be as fun. Can I just say they're right here in this passage? See, it's not always easy to have a home sweet home. It's not always easy maintaining a relationship. Why? Because we're human. We feel, we hurt, we have emotions. Notice what the Bible says here. I love it. Notice what verse 13 says, or verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering. Now, we'll start right there, but we can go down through this whole thing. I want you to notice the first two words in verse 12. Will you all say them with me? On three. One, two, three. Put on. Put on. Now, wait a minute. What did I do today? I put on a tie. It wasn't something that I had on. It wasn't something that was on me when I woke up this morning. I had to put on a tie. I had to put on a pair of shoes. These shoes, I did not sleep with them. I had to put these on. Now, when we read the Bible, sometimes we want to over-spiritualize everything, but here's what that simply means. You have to put on things. You know why? Because you don't always feel like forgiving. you got to do it anyway. Put it on. You don't always want to be long-suffering. By the way, ladies, your husband might have a problem. He can't see the hamper. He's just like me. For some reason, his clothes never get in the designated area where you want them to. They'll get on top, they'll get beside, they'll get over. And I'm going to be honest, I can't imagine how much long-suffering my wife has given me for 30 years. I, I don't know about y'all, but uh, every cabinet in the house sometimes just forget to shut them. Amen. And so it's a very simple thing. Yesterday, this morning, I like fried eggs. And so I got up and I fixed me three fried eggs and a piece of toast and I had put me a little bit of mozzarella cheese on them fried eggs and slapped them on a piece of toast and I went in the bedroom, I ate and went into the bedroom, I was getting dressed and Laura walks in the kitchen and she says, Hey honey, she said, Are you finished with the cheese? Well, She did what I asked because normally she just puts it up. And I say, honey, it's not that I don't want to put the cheese up or if I leave something on the counter, it's not that I'm being defined. I just forget. So if you'll remind me. And I thank God she reminded me today. And I walked in there, but I thought as I walked back back into the bedroom, I thought, dear God, she's practiced long-suffering with me every day for 30 years. And it's something she's had to put on. See, here's what happens when I counsel with two young people getting ready to get married. Boy, their eyes are all big and boy, they're in love and they're looking at each other and you're talking to them about the deep things of marriage and they ain't listening to a thing. Because you know why they think, oh no, who, I'm getting ready to marry. He's perfect and he's sitting there looking at her and going, oh no, we're not going to have those problems. Then the next thing you know, you wake up and his feet smell in the morning. And pretty soon you find out he don't know where the trash can is and he don't know how to put things up and he can't find things. Pretty soon you're like, man, what did I sign up for? You just signed up for a life of long suffering. And by the way, when both people are doing it, that's a beautiful thing, amen? Because I've learned this, ain't none of us perfect. You got to put that long suffering on. Hey, you got to put mercy on. The Bible says you got to put on the bowels of mercy. In other words, you give mercy. That means when you want to kill somebody, you don't. That means when you have it right there and you've got it right on the tip of your mouth, and you say, "Well, I'm thinking it. I might as well say it." No, you don't. Be merciful. Some people say, "Well, I tell you what. I thought anyway. So I might as well say it." No, God says to put on mercy. Be quiet. Hey, how about humbleness of mind? You got to put that on. Because you know what? We all walk around like, yeah, I'm it. Well, I'll tell you right now, largest married the best man in the world. No, God says for to be humble in mind. We got to put that on. Because you know what? Everybody tells us, the society tells us today how great we are. God tries to get us to a place of where we realize we're not much. Your marriage will be a whole lot better off if we have humbleness of mind. But by the way, nobody wakes up humble. We have to put that on. We got to what? Work at it. I got to hurry. How about long-suffering? How about meekness? How about submitting? You know, the ladies think this is an ugly word. I got to submit to him. I ain't submitting to him. Well, wait a minute. Your word's not near as hard as his. He's supposed to love you. As the Lord loved the church, and so you got to put that on. And I'll say this: I've learned this. If a husband's loving his wife like Jesus loved him, she has no, she has no problem submitting to him because she knows she's safe. Hey, and then the Bible says we're to submit to one another. We got to put that on. Submit to one another. You know, a relationship you're submitting to one another. Hey, I got to hurry. Got to work at it. Got to want it. Number three, real quick. You got to water it. Look at verse 16, real quick. Look at verse 16. I gotta hurry. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of God dwell in you. In other words, you gotta work. You gotta water it. You got to water it, keep it going. You got to water it. You got to emphasize. You got to constantly tell your wife and your children that we love each other. And you got to constantly emphasize God loves us. You got to constantly get them in church so they can hear the word of God being preached. They need to be watered. By the way, that's why we have this marriage retreat. It's just another place where you can get your marriage watered. We don't have all the answers to the marriage retreat, but I can promise you this, there'll be a lot of resources there to help it grow. Here at the church, we have a lot of things we try to do. What? To help our families grow. We've got to water it. I've never seen a family ever regret being faithful to church. Why? Because we realize we need help. I need help. I'm the pastor. I need help. You know what? I need you. Can I say something real quick to visitors? I need y'all today. (laughs) Can I just encourage every visitor just a minute? Y'all know what? Y'all helped me get up next Sunday. We'll say, how, Pastor? Just the fact that you walked in these doors today, and I realize you could be doing a whole lot of other things today, but you've had enough to come to church today to get a little bit of help. You know what? That makes me kind of feel like, hey, well, what I'm doing is not a waste of time. Amen. I know it's not a waste of time anyway, but your presence confirms it. Got to water it. Got to water it. Got to water it you got to help each other. you got to communicate with each other. you got to teach each other. We've got to be biblical. We've got to keep the Bible in our homes. We've got to keep the Bible in our hearts. We've got to keep telling our families we love them. We've got to keep telling them, hey, listen, no matter what goes on in our life, we're going to stick with Jesus. He's going to help us. No matter what we're going to deal with, God's going to help us to overcome it. We've got to water it. And then, as I close, it'll be worth it. The desire, the want to. And the, listen to me, and the working at it, the sacrifice, the working at it. And then the watering it, emphasizing and putting in, putting in. One day, when you're older, and maybe you and your spouse are, maybe you and your spouse are no longer together because death's taken one of you. You're sitting on a porch and maybe you're swinging on an old swing. And you're looking back over your life. And no doubt the devil reminds you of all of your mistakes. But oh, I want you to know, if you've tried to be the best father, the best husband, the best mother, the best wife, and that doesn't mean that you've not made mistakes, but you've worked at it and you desired to have it and you kept continuing to water it, I want you to tell you you something. Before you take those dying breaths, you're going to say, whew, it was worth it. It was worth it all. I'm not going to say to you, keeping your home and your relationships are easy. Look at me. It's not. The very fact that two people raised two different ways, different likes, different dislikes, different preferences, people are totally different. It's like two worlds colliding, and you put all that in one home. That ain't always easy peasy. That's not always hunky dory. That's not always a bed of roses. But I'll tell you right now, and here's what I this is what my wife and I have talked about. Now that we've been married over 30 years, I want you to know something. I want to have a love that will not let go no matter what. No matter what. The storms have come, the disappointments have come, and oh, yes, we could quit. What kind of love is that? You know what real love is? Real love is when you won't let go. You know why? Because you don't desire to let go. You're going to dance with the one that brought you. Amen. You're going to stick with it through thick and thin. You're going to stick with it through the sunshine, through the rain, through the storms, through the clouds. And one day when you're sitting there maybe hand in hand in an old swing and you can't even swing anymore, you're just kind of sitting there because you're, not even, you're too feeble to do it. You can grasp each other's hands and say, Well, honey, we made it. We stayed together and we've loved each other to the very end. Now all we've got to do is wait till Jesus comes or takes us home. I'll tell you right now, it'll be all worth it then. What do you want? Some people run off to these Christian counselors. And by the way, I'm being honest, I'm not always kosher with Christian counselors. You say, oh, pastor, what do you mean? Well, just because they say Christian don't mean they're going to tell you the right thing. And let me just give you all just the first base, all right? If somebody don't ever open this up and help you through this, they're wasting your time. They didn't create marriage. That man or that woman in that psychology class, listen to me. They did not create marriage. God created marriage. He's given us all the instructions we need right here. And I want to tell you something right now. I thank God for his instructions. Now, I hope every family here this morning will grab a hold of this book and you'll start teaching it to your children. And by the way, to teach it to your children, you have to let yourself be taught. What do y'all want? I'm not going to tell y'all that, you, that your spouse ain't going to break your heart. I wish I could sit here and say, oh, no, your spouse won't do that. Here's why I can't. He's a sinner, she's a sinner. No telling what we'll do. Let's just be honest. Amen? But I'll tell you this. Once we have Jesus in our heart, I'll tell you right now, he helps us not to do the wrong things. I told someone the other day, when you get saved, you will no longer enjoy living in sin. You won't enjoy it. The things you used to like to do, if you really get saved, I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't going to like it no more. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in when you get saved, you become a child of God. I'm going to tell you something right now. Your desires change. We know our destination changes. What do y'all want? I don't know about y'all. I'm gonna go over here to 3403 Angela Lane, and I'm gonna walk in there after a while. After we go down to my mom's house and eat, amen. And y'all talking about having some fun? Y'all come on down there to 1101 Brown's Ferry after church because the whole family's there, including my sister and I. And I'm gonna tell y'all something. If you think I'm loud, you ain't heard nothing yet. And y'all get all of us together, God help you. Let me just tell y'all what it used to be like before we got right with the Lord. We'd be in church, 1600 Temple Street, and I mean before we got home, me and Kim and Mike and Laura was already fighting. Right after church, yeah, I'm confessing. What we was arguing about was what the preacher preached about. Man, we was run over and we'd get into the house and mom, bless her heart, it was in the summertime, it was before air conditioner, me and Laura and Kim and Mike, and of course me and Kim, you could hear us three blocks down the road. Mom, bless her heart, first thing she'd do is go in there and she'd start slamming them windows. Wham! Wham! Because, I mean, she knew what was getting ready to come in and, I mean, me and Kim was going to have that place a hot, we were going to be yelling and screaming, and I mean, we'd... Now, can I ask y'all a question? How many of y'all like to go home to that after church? You say, Pastor Mark, why are you sharing that? We ain't like that no more. You bragging on yourself? No, I'm bragging on him. Here's the hope. I don't know what you have and where you're living and how you're living, but I'm going to tell you something right now. If you'll start doing this, I'm going to tell you right now, he'll change your home. He'll change your desire. He'll change your work ethic. And listen to me, one day you're going to stand back and say, Woo, honey, it sure was worth it. It will be worth it all When we see Jesus One look at His dear face All sorrows will erase. That was off key. It'll be worth it. Now, how many of y'all want a home sweet home? Y'all want it? Work at it. I got to hurry. Gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Would you do this today? Will you get in your car? now and wherever you live look at your wife or look at your family whoever's in the car and say to her or them "Want you know something God spoke to me about something today and I want to work on that I'm gonna tell you what happened it's life-changing now let me help the wives just a second please don't say well I'm glad you finally got something Not the wisest in the world. Can I help y'all just a second? Honey, that's wonderful. Now let me tell you what God spoke to me about. You talking about a holy hush in the car and a home starting to change, it can change between the drive from your house from here. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? When I, started, when I started to change so I'm going to ask I'm going to give all you men homework with head bowed and eyes closed there's nobody looking I'm going to ask you to be honest how many of you know today, this day for sure God has pinpointed something in your life and you say Lord I really want to work on that, would you be honest and just slip your hand up and not be ashamed of it, God bless your hands up everywhere, I'm going to ask you Ask God to help you. He'll help you. Can I ask this question this morning? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know for sure if I die I'm going to heaven. I'm concerned about it. And can I say this kindly? You should be. You should be. But not just concerned about that you don't do anything about it. You're in a good place and I promise you, if you'll have, if we'll have someone take the Bible and show you. And you don't have to walk out of here concerned about it anymore. You say, that's me, Pastor Mark. I don't know for sure if I die. I'm going to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that this morning? Would you just simply raise your hand where I can see it? Is there anyone like that this morning? You say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know for sure if I die. I'm going to heaven. Is anyone like that? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask they're going to play something here in just a moment and I'm going to open up if you are, you've are, you been coming to this church you love this church and you want to be a member of this church you know the, the altar is always open when we give an invitation that's always available but if you'd like to come today they're going to start to play you come and we'd love to in, bring you into the fellowship of our church but let me ask you this if you're here this morning and you know the Lord has spoke to you about something don't leave this building without letting Him help you with it. The altar's open. Maybe you want to kneel down at your pew. Some of you raised your hand. You said, I know that God spoke to me about something. Then let Him deal with you now with it. And if you'd like to come and be a member of this church, you come and we'll receive you into the fellowship. My wife will meet you up here. so good last week the Chapmans joined and we're excited about getting to know them better as I said I'm always encouraged when young people come to join our church And while they're filling this out you can look this way I want to just talk to you a minute we'll be dismissed here I appreciate you being so kind sometimes preachers I know it's hard to shut down and find the landing strip I appreciate you being kind I hope all of you will try to do your very best to be back tonight. Lord willing, I'm going to try to preach on givers and takers. Are you a giver or a taker? It's pretty powerful. It's pretty convicting. By the way, we all have it in us to be takers, but we also all have it in us to be givers. So I'm going to ask you to be back tonight. And I'm going to really ask all of you married couples, would you really do your very best? You say, well, Pastor, I'm not a member of the church. It's all right. Sign up for the marriage retreat. You need to be there. You'll meet new people, and it's a great time. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. If you have any questions about it, let us know. And uh, we're just trying to help you. Ms. Laura, I you have been married 30 years. It's been a journey, hasn't it? They're writing this uh, there's an old picture of me, for some reason, I don't know why, but there's an old picture of me, and I was a little boy. It was a lonely day. I was up at my grandma's, and um, I don't know who took the picture. I think it was my mom. I had a hat on and had a bow in my hand, and my little Britney Spaniel was there beside me, and it was a lonely day. I don't know. I was by myself up there that day. I mean, I was probably 14 years old, but I can remember that day I was sitting there in that field, and I was thinking about my future, <laughs> and I thought, Who am I going to marry? What's my life? What am I going to do? And I was there this fall hunting in my tree stand. And I don't know, I just had this feeling I wanted to go over. I hadn't been over in that place where that picture was taken for years. And I went over and I literally, I shared this with my wife yesterday. I literally got down on my knees and I started to cry. (laughs) As I was sitting there where that picture was taken long ago. And here's what I thought. My, 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 how God's been good to me. I was so scared of so many things at 14. Who am I going to marry? What's it going to be like? And then I'm sitting there in my life looking back over it, and I said, boy, God, you've sure been good to me. And he certainly has. And you know what? He's certainly been good to you too.